Welcome to this Williams special podcast today. Very pleased to say I am joined by Claire Williams, George Russell, Nicholas Latifi and Johnny Herbert. Good afternoon. Good day all. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you? Good morning. Let's start with you because you're in Toronto at the moment, aren't you? Are you there with family and do you have a trainer and, and how is it in Toronto? Yeah, so yeah, I've been back home since uh, traveling back from Melbourne. Um, yeah, I mean, I've just been with uh, all my family, uh, yeah, kind of just self-isolating at home. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been okay. I mean, just trying to keep busy, doing a lot of training. Uh, we have a home gym here, which is uh, yeah, quite quite lucky to have, so making quite a lot of use of that. And uh, yeah, obviously a lot of gaming on the the esports side of thing, really making use of my home sim now. So uh, yeah, the situation I think is in Toronto is pretty similar to how it is everywhere else. You know, being strongly encouraged to, to stay indoors and just kind of do what you can to, to yeah to just isolate from other people so uh yeah just kind of waiting for it all to blow over really yeah you've been working at the gym yourself uh, yeah i mean my my trainer is uh is is in the uk uh yeah, yeah so uh well he he actually just had a, a baby the other day so he, he had to be uh, right. uh well his wife had a baby obviously <laughs> uh yeah so uh, he wasn't able to come back obviously for uh for fear of, you know, if things got really, really bad, that then maybe he was scared he was going to be stuck here and, you know, he had to be always near his wife during this time. So, uh, yeah, I'm by myself, but in, still in constant communication uh, with him, kind of he's helping me with, uh, you know, setting some plans and uh, things like that. We're going to come on to uh, all of that in a moment. Let's just uh, say a big hello to Claire as well. Claire, first time we've seen you during this lockdown. How are you and, and how is this time? I imagine with your little boy, Nate, it's been pretty special to spend so much time at home. It, yeah it's been lovely it's um it's quite easy to get used to just being at home I found which is a bit dangerous for when they tell us we've all got to go back <laughs> um but you know I've been on the road for 20 years now in F1 nearly and, and motorsport in general and so you know packing bags and not having to do that and not having to go to Heathrow it's been lovely and obviously being able to spend time with my little boy and my husband it's been been lovely we've had a lot of work to do in between so lots of meetings with tps and f1 and the fia and sorting out the sport for when we all get back but in between all of that yeah a lot of lovely time baking working out all that stuff i'm going to get back and i'm going to be ripped that's my ambition <laughs> <laughs> lose the baby I weight think that's everyone's ambition however the combination of the working out and the baking I think there's a is there a quarantine fifteen or something? There's a fifteen pounds most people are going to put on during quarantine. Oh <laughs> God, really? Well, no, I'm trying to bake healthy stuff like carrot and courgette muffins, and oh, I yeah. make. I mean, a protein balls not really baking, is it? It's just mixing stuff together. But yeah. trying to stick to the healthy stuff. And George, good to see you. I suppose that's what you're doing as well, baking that healthy stuff. <laughs> I'm doing all the baking. No, no, we're um, unfortunately I'm here with five other people who are very much into their cooking. I've got my mum making nice, lovely, healthy salads and bits and bobs. I've then got my sister and her husband on the flip side who have got Snickers and crisps and all sorts stashed away. Um, and I'm you watching here my... Have you, George? Have you been called police in your house? We are. Well, so <laughs> I'm here with my trainer uh, because, uh, as I mentioned before, my trainer's from Barcelona, um, and we're obviously on very strict lockdowns there, so it was obviously, it was nicer for the, for him to be here with me. Um, so he's training me hard, but we're also getting the family into all the fitness, and we're trying to teach them about nutrition and, well, mainly my sister and her husband because they're they're the worst. 
So we're now deemed the sugar police every time they uh, pick up any of this. So, but it's good. It's good. I'm. I've got to the point now. I'm just like, do what you want. Because if you want to get fat and unhealthy, you get fat and unhealthy. They're not listening to me. So, uh, but but it's nice. It's nice. And you've been chopping some logs, Nicholas. Uh, if you saw, he was shirtless again. Yes, we saw. No, see, it wasn't shirtless, but I was actually surprised because, and I even saw comments on social media on that video were exactly what I was thinking. I said, if he wanted to be shirtless, I think that would have been the perfect opportunity where he could have actually gotten away with it. That's what lumberjacks do when they chop logs. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, but he, he took the one opportunity away where he could have taken it yeah, off. You, <laughs> no, I'm surprised can't... he turned up with a shirt on today. <laughs> <laughs> the fans too much you know you gotta you gotta give it out in dribs and drabs you know if you juggling the shirtless juggling was the funniest one that's good no i mean it's a sunny day it's it's you gotta make the most of it i'm, I'm not gonna be lying there with my t-shirt when the sun's out this this e-racing now claire i'm sure you've been watching it i mean i guess for you guys it, it allows a little bit of a competitive edge to come into your life. But for the fans watching, it's been so much fun to see the personalities come out between you all as well. And, and how much are you enjoying it? And how, how useful is it at the moment? It's been good fun. I think, um, firstly, it sort of brought the drivers together a little bit more, the ones who are taking part in this. Um, I've enjoyed it. You know, the streaming side of thing is something I've, I've never done before. And I've actually really enjoyed uh, doing it it's it's an easy way just to to sort of show your true colors and, and get your personality out there and I think from our side it's almost a bit of a duty to you know put on a bit of a show and a bit of entertainment for all of these you know amazing and loyal F1 fans who have got nothing to to watch or to follow so giving them this opportunity um, with us sat behind the computer is great but I mean, it soon got very competitive and which led to having to spend hours and hours behind the computer screen sat in my living room on the, on the simulator, which is not necessarily what I want to be doing when, you know, the weather's nice in the garden and, you know, I could be outside shirtless, getting a bit of a tan, but um, that's what it takes to get this competitive edge. So I've enjoyed it so far. Nicholas, your thoughts? Yeah, really just uh, echoing what, what George has said. Yeah, for me, it's been, yeah, quite, something quite cool. I mean, from the, the streaming side of things, yeah, I mean, it was never something I would have ever thought I would do beforehand. Uh, and yeah, just really enjoying it. I mean, I've, whenever I get asked about it, I'm like, yeah, I just say it's like doing an Instagram live every time you, you stream. So it's just like a, a nice way to, to connect with fans uh, and kind of, uh, yeah, provide entertainment and kind of give them access to, to you personally and as well to whoever you're streaming with let's say, uh, and see a different side that maybe they, they wouldn't normally uh, see on a, on a Grand Prix weekend or on, or on TV uh, in interviews. So, uh, and then, yeah, from the esports side of things and the actual driving, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm finding it quite, uh, quite fun. And yeah, it is getting really competitive, as, as George said. And yeah, I mean, if you do want to be fast, you do have to spend so many hours <laughs> practicing because the, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's a game and it's not, uh, it's not 100% the real thing as, you know, Cole Masters have to kind of cater to both the hardcore sim racers but as well like the kind of everyday just game enthusiasts let's say so uh, yeah there's a lot of little tricks that you got to kind of sort out if you want to be competitive and takes up a lot of time definitely <laughs> yeah 
But it's got to be great for you guys mentally, I think, to do something like this, to just keep your mind active for when you actually need to jump in the car for, for the first time. I don't think there's any sportsman in, you know, in the world that can't go out and just do their own sport. If you're a footballer, you can go out there and kick a football around or tennis player. I'm sure most of the tennis players have got tennis courts in their, in their houses or in their homes, sorry. Um, and for us, we can't just, well, I don't know if there's any racing drivers who've got a, a racetrack and an F1 car in their garden, but I certainly don't. Um, so it's the next best thing. But as Nicola said, it's, it's definitely not the real thing. You know, part of racing is that that feel. Sat in the car, driving through a corner at, you know, Silverstone at you know 180, 200 miles an hour, um, and a bit of that fear factor and adrenaline. Whereas, when you sat in the in your living room and uh, <laughs> you got a cup of tea on your side, it's not quite the same. So, um, yeah, like I said, it, it's it's the next best thing, but it's still still not the same. No, Are you invited Claire in yet? <laughs> I invited Claire. <laughs> uh, she's more than welcome. She's more That's than. Welcome. I think if Claire was involved, we would have been uh, having some team orders uh, quite a few weeks ago. With, uh, all the times George has hit me off the track. <laughs> George, I need, to, George, I need to ask you about this. This is becoming a bit of a theme, George. So we've got a lot of people obviously watching this and they're talking about... Um, you know, the way you guys race and the banter, and that's great. And then there's one person we're asking George about his relationship with Alex Albon and particular clips that have come out of Alex screaming at you, <laughs> leave him alone on track. And one particular clip of a lawnmower, lawnmower racing you did where you went across the grass deliberately just to take him out and off the track. <laughs> Talk to us about this little relationship and why you're just bullying him off the track at the moment. Well, technically, firstly, on the lawnmower incident, I did cut the track, but I did go ahead of him, and technically, he hit me off the track, <laughs> but it was intentional to get in his way. I don't know, it's just been, you know, Alex is one of my best mates, and the first time it happened, seeing his reaction made me giggle. Second time it happened, seeing his reaction definitely made me giggle. And then after the third or fourth time, I'm like, right, I'm actually going to go out my way now. And take him out. And on um, this one, we're doing this lawnmower race, and I like span off or something. And Alex comes by me. He's like, George, George, uh, please don't hit me off. I'm like, he said it's like so seriously. I'm like, why? I'm on a good lap. I'm on a good lap. I'm like, right, I've got to, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. So, um, that's what, you know, when, when we're doing the serious racing, obviously that's a different thing, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess around like that as, you know, there is time and effort goes into these races. But when we're racing lawnmowers or driving around Suzuka backwards or something like that, then it's, uh, it's acceptable. And Nicholas, you suffered at the weekend. Both of you suffered, actually, with Antonio Giovinazzi at the weekend, didn't you? In that race. I mean, had Stoffel at the start, George, but then Nicholas, Antonio took both of you out and he really caused some problems at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, with um, I, I saw the move we did with George, and yeah, that was uh, for sure very, very, very suspect. And it was kind of looked like the exact same thing with me. Uh, I mean, the only thing that I'll kind of give him the benefit of the doubt on with, with my incident is that he, he did kind of lag out of the race at, right after his crash with me. So, like, it's not that he continued on, and he, he said he was having a lot of problems. So, with George, he, still, he was still continuing and racing right after, so, so you don't know. <laughs> but with me, yeah, it was – I mean, from my onboard, if uh, – 
if you saw my video, it, it looked really, really bad from uh, from his side, let's say. So, oh, yeah, I was really, really mad. Because, again, like George said, you put so many hours practicing to, like, be competitive. And it was still such a long race. And there was, like, 40 minutes left of the race. And I was just kind of by myself. I'm like, oh, this isn't very fun anymore. I guess that's e-racing. It's part of the frustration. I think it's actually probably even more frustrating than the real thing at times. <laughs> I'm glad from your point of view, I mean, I know there's very little that you can do really to help the drivers at the moment, I guess, preparing to go back racing again. But stuff like this, keeping their reactions sharp, getting them, having them doing these kind of things, is this helping from a team point of view as well? I think George said it. I think that what it does is it engages with our fans. And, you know, I think so many people are missing all sports at the moment and watching sport on the TV. It's a big part of so many countries' cultures, isn't it? And to be able to do this and to put on a show and to have so many different personalities from the world of motorsport, but so many personalities from different walks of life. I know Liam Payne joined one of the first races, which I was very excited by because he was driving Williams. Um, it, that's a great thing for us to be able to do. And it just as well shows different personalities. You know, George always portrays himself as a goody two-shoes when we're at Formula One races, but look at it. Definitely not. Good... <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> Maybe this does to me. But now that we've got this different George Russell on our hands, and it's, it's great that they're able to showcase their personalities in a different kind of forum. What about morale within the team? Obviously, this lockdown is very difficult for everybody, but how is everybody coping? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, but you know, there's also a lot of people that we've had to furlough. So we don't um, connect with those guys as much because they're at home and not able to work. But those that aren't furloughed, we've got about 90 or people that aren't. Um, we're on teams and we're having um, a lot of conversations and calls. Uh, yesterday, we had our executive committee meeting and you know, when you're on these calls, you're kind of a bit bored and it's, it's lovely to see everybody. But yesterday we all got a bit crazy and started putting crazy backgrounds on um, yeah. the teams and the, you know, the Zooms, which is always a bit fun. You know, it's people's birthdays. We have um, team calls and we all have like birthday celebration stuff in the background, balloons, and we decorate our, our um, backdrop so that people can see. And, you know, I think people are just really looking forward, though, to going Back to work you know so many messages that I get from people within Williams I just can't wait to get back to the office now and get going racing again so morale's still in a good place and I think a lot of people are just enjoying the time to be at home um, but I know a lot of people want to get back to. We've had quite a few people asking about Frank actually and asking how he's getting on at the moment so have you, can you tell us have you have you seen much of him lately? I've only seen him on FaceTime um, obviously you know he is um, over 70 so he's in a high risk category and He's been um, locked down now for many more weeks than most people, but he's in great spirits. Um, as I said, I FaceTime him pretty much every day. We have a lovely chat and he has um, brilliant, a brilliant care team that are looking after him. He's got a lot of guys that go in and look after him all day long and in the evenings and stuff. And I think he's watching reruns of rugby matches and he's watching a lot of the Sky F1 channel and all races and stuff like that. So he's fine. I think though he would like people to be back at the factory and so he can push around and talk to people. I think that's what he misses most, but he's, he's all good. Um, let's go back to, um, I've got questions here coming in, loads of questions coming in. Nicholas, I mean, we've seen George doing his mummy planks online. What sort of workouts are you doing? That's from Latifi underscore fan. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just a bit your, of everything. Your mum's account, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, George, it's your, your mum, that's your only fan, remember? <laughs> 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 Who was it that said Orlando, I think? No. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just general. I mean, racing drivers, you kind of got to be very well-rounded. So uh, yeah, for sure, a lot of neck training. Uh, I don't have anyone to hold me up to do one of those mummy planks, unfortunately. So I just have my little uh, Fifty Shades of Grey black leather-looking harness that I uh, <laughs> that that I put on my head. Same one Lando uses. Same one a lot of us drivers use. I know George has one in his bag too. Don't don't look like you don't have one. I see any of that kind of stuff. And and uh, <laughs> and yeah, just a lot of cardio, uh, trying to uh, burn off all the baking my my mom and sister are doing, and uh, yeah, strength training in the gym, obviously. We've got uh, another one here. Uh, Nicholas, what do you think about George continuing to take topless pictures? We kind of covered that, really, I think. Yeah, I think we just can't give George the satisfaction to keep talking about his, yeah. his, his topless I pictures know. here. I We've, uh, <laughs> I <don't laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just okay, this, question's, this question's to all of you. I'll start with you, Claire, first, if we can, on the answers. Um, who, in your opinion, is the best Williams driver in history, in the Williams history? Clearly, apart from the two that we have now, right? No. Yes. <laughs> no. You can say yeah. the one who hasn't done a race for you yet. That, I, that's okay. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> mean and unfair. Um, apart from George and Nicholas, clearly, uh, I have I have three. I find it very difficult to just knock it down to one. So, um, Nigel Mansell, awesome, just mega, and such a just such a normal guy is extraordinary what he managed to achieve. Um, Ayrton Senna, obviously. Um, and then one Pablo Montoya. So for me, they're um, just, I think not just the greatest Williams drivers, but the greatest drivers in Formula One history for me, certainly. I love them. If I could have an ideal driver lineup, again, apart from George and Nicholas, <laughs> it would be Juan Pablo Montoya and Nigel Mansell. Right. And then they just knock it out of the park. I'd have uh, not this is Andrew Horning. Horning. That's all right. mm. Nigel and Alan Jones, that's all right, Earth. Would you? Yeah. Alan, yeah, you would be up there too. Character. <laughs> Andrew Horner, sorry, I should say Andrew Horner, 94 is the question. So, George, who do you think best Williams drivers in the history? I think I've got to agree with Claire, to be honest. I am a Montoya fan. Um, I think he's a bit of a legend, and the way he went about his business was quite funny, but also on, on the track side of things, you know, very aggressive. And then obviously, you know, good old Nigel. I think um, I've never actually met Nigel Mansell, surprisingly wow. enough. I don't, I don't think I've ever met him. Oh, you've got uh, to meet him, George. He's brilliant. He's so yeah, cool. Yeah, I've heard many stories. So pro probably those two, to be honest. I think, um, yeah, as Claire said, they definitely make a good lineup. I think Claire would have a bit of work on her hands. Uh, <laughs> care of both of them off track, but uh, they'll definitely be good on track. Probably. Nicholas, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was going to pick, when you asked another question, I was going to choose those same three drivers. That's what I, but maybe I heard you answer this question before. I'm not sure, but those are the three ones that came to mind for me as well. I'll let, uh, poor Damon, Damon Hill. I'll let, <laughs> 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 we love Damon too. Damon's oh, <laughs> um, Let's move on to this season then, because we, we know that, you know, plans are afoot and we're hoping to go racing at the start of July. Um, First of all, Claire, to you, I mean, you're in these TP meetings, you know, just between us, what's it like in those meetings? Is it a situation where you have the video cameras up like we do? And do you all, do you all get a chance to speak? Is there, are there a couple of people who maybe dominate? Do you put your hands up? And are you texting people? Gunter says, Gunter said that um, you text, everyone sort of texts each other during it on WhatsApp during the calls. Who's in your text chat is what I want to know. I'm not telling you who's in my text chat. I definitely have a few on there um, who we message um, in between. Uh, what's going on but 
you know, it's just done on Zoom. And you know, it's, it's great because, and it's certainly been really great for me because I'm invariably the only woman that ever attends any of these meetings. And normally I always count the number of men out there are in the room. And I'm normally in a room with 30 or blokes and me. And so I, I can never get a word in edgeways at these meetings. But on Zoom, you have that facility to raise your hand. And Nicholas Tombazi is from the FIA who chairs the meetings chairs them brilliantly and no one is allowed to speak unless your hand is raised and he does it in order of when you put your hand up so you know I still get nervous going to these meetings a bit and I was still nervous you know raising my hand on zoom but I got to raise my hand and then Nicholas says yep Claire's turn to talk and so I actually get to talk in these meetings now because everyone has to listen when you've raised your hands because it's your turn you can't kind of see, keep saying oh or trying to get a word in edgeways like in a normal meeting but um you know, they've been they've been really productive just from a content perspective. I think the FIA who have handled the agendas with F1 have done a fantastic job of keeping us focused. Um, in the beginning, from you know from the start of coming back from Australia and doing the meetings, we had a lot of meetings and they were lasting like four or five hours, which is quite a long time on Zoom. And you kind of think to yourself, how do I get up to go for a bathroom break here without people realising that I just disappeared and you can't work out how to kind of well I can't anyway mute the camera or whatever um so and also you can sit there with a blanket on your lap so I sit there like with a nice shirt on like everyone's doing looking really smart smarter than I do today and then I've got a blanket on my lap and I've got all my snacks to the side which I can't obviously do in a real meeting so it's great um but no so they've been they've been really productive as I've said and everybody has I think really understood clearly as everyone has to the situation and and the you know, is really being incredibly responsible for the future of our sport and ensuring that we put um, exactly need what needs to be put in place in place so that we as teams all have a strong future in this sport. And that's been the work that's been going on over the past six, seven weeks. And I think we're pretty much at the end of that process now. I think within the next um, seven to 10 days, we're going to have the final regulations coming out, which will obviously be great because it means that everyone is then clear on how we're moving forward for the six, next six to 12 months, which is so important for all of our businesses. Yeah. Now, Ross Braun is obviously working very hard as well on the budget side of things as well. Is that going in the right direction from what you well, I mean, we've always, as everyone knows, been really supportive of the, the cost cap coming in. And we've been talking about it for probably nearly a decade now, the need for Formula One to have a, a cost cap. It's so important for teams like ours that are independent that don't just have unlimited amounts of budget. And so we were delighted when the $175 million budget came through. And then obviously with coronavirus, we've had to readdress that situation and it's going to be coming in at an even lower level. Um, which is clearly it's even better news for teams like ours. Um, you know, there is on the flip side the the difficulties for the big teams with that though. You know, they're operating on you know budgets that are so much greater than that. And I think the very fact that they've seen the reality and, and the the gravity of this situation for everyone else um, on the grid and those of us that are running teams, it's it's not going to be easy moving forward. And they've had to come down even further. So. I have great sympathy for them, but also I'm, I'm so pleased that they've seen the enormity of the situation and reacted in the way that they've needed to. 145 million has been spoken about. Is that acceptable or should it be even less? I think you've got to wet up and this whole process has been about compliance and you've got you know, the top three teams that are working with so, such a greater budget than that. And then you've got you know, a group in the middle that are, are somewhere closer to the 175 and then all of us 
down at the other end that can't even meet a 145 budget. So you've got to find a middle ground somewhere and, you know, coming down, as I said, from 175 to whatever it may end up at, 145, 140, whatever it is that the FIA confirm is always going to be better for teams like ours. We might not meet it straight away, but it just brings the ceiling down and that will then create more competitive racing, better racing for the fans at the end of the day and give us the opportunity to ensure that our businesses sustainable um, going into the future and also can be successful going into the future as well and I think in this day and age as well there needs to be a, a kind of semblance of reality and responsibility with expenditure in Formula One teams going out and spending hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars going race every racing every year is that really relevant anymore and I think this sport has to ensure that it, it retains its relevancy um, within society and people aren't just looking at us going what are they doing spending all of this money, you know, going round and round racetracks, it's, you know, that's something that we need to tackle and through this situation, we've been able to do that as well as a byproduct. Claire, just before we move on to speak to George and Nicholas about going back racing, there's one more for you, which has come in from the fans as well, actually, to be fair, um, Ben Johnston, Paul Newman, talking about when Formula One returns and, and the restrictions are in place and whether that adds more pressure, but also um, Pete Newman, sorry, has been saying, do we really think the season should start at all? It seems a bit of a rush to me. And a few fans reacted to what Ross Braun had to say about creating this biosphere and that we'll all go in a bubble kind of thing. Um, but I think what, the point we were trying to get across is it's not just a sport or entertainment. These are businesses that are supplied by businesses that are then supplied by other businesses. It's, it's a massive, it's thousands and thousands of people's jobs at, at stake here. It's not just about some cars going on a track. No, exactly. Um, it's not. And um, when this situation arose and we all kind of started understanding the enormity of it and the scale of it and the impact that it could have, like so many businesses have had to do over the past two months. I mean, it, it is scary that you know, we could lose not just one or two teams, but an awful lot of teams if we don't get back racing, because the financial model that we have in our sport is that we are also reliant upon the money that we receive. Um, from the, the results that we get in the Constructors' Championship. And you take that away, and coupled with the fact that sponsorship isn't at the level that it is in Formula One at the moment and in sports in general, that makes trying to find a budget to go racing really incredibly difficult. So you have to weigh up the need to go back racing in order to ensure your team's survival against the very important reality of ensuring that your people remain safe. But you know, for me, at the end of the day, my people are always going to win out. I certainly hope that does, that doesn't cost us our team, but the safety of our people, um, whether that be returning them to work at Grove or asking them to travel, is going to be absolutely paramount. And we will certainly not be sending people back racing until um, it is appropriate to do so. But I know that the work that F1 are doing, um, they've been putting an awful lot of time and energy into this to see what they can do um, in order to take us back racing and to do that safely. And they're going to make sure that they put in um, every possible health and safety regulation that they need to um, and, and make sure that we're all doing it in absolutely the right way um, before we actually go back to the racetrack. And Nicholas George talking about going back to the racetrack. How, how difficult is it for you guys to keep yourself mentally sort of in the zone, physically in the zone, when you actually don't know when you're going to go racing. How hard is that? Uh, you want to go first or I'll take it first? Like I touched on earlier, I think it's, it's unnatural for any sportsman to um, be out of their sports for so long. And 
I, I don't know what it would be, but by the time if we do go racing in July, we'd have had four, three days of testing in the space of seven months, which is unbelievable to think. And when the season gets started, not only as drivers, but engineers and mechanics, you all get into a bit of a rhythm. You've got race after race after race. And firstly, you know, everyone in Formula One is the best of the best anyway. Uh, I'm not just talking drivers, I'm just talk, talking as a whole, uh, including the media, obviously. Um, and then having this much time away, by the time we get back, I think everybody's going to be very rusty and people will make mistakes. Drivers will make mistakes, engineers, mechanics, everybody will. And I think it's very important to make sure we try and capitalise on on those times because I think for people in the, who, who aren't going out winning races, um, or, or scoring points, there's will be a big opportunity or, or the, the greatest opportunity um, to get a good result in at the start of the year when, when people are making a mistake. Yeah, because you've got experience to sort of go back on to actually bring forward. But of course, you, Nicholas, you haven't had that yet. That's that's even more difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a bit of a weird situation. Uh, and like George said, it's kind of a first that, you know, it's been. It's going to be so long by the time we do get to go racing from our last race of the year last year to uh, to when we do get to go racing. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, like in, in any other sport, as, as George touched on earlier, you, even if you're just practicing, you, you kind of have the, should have the facility, whether it's picking up a tennis racket and tennis ball, picking up a basketball, kicking around the football, you could practice much more accurately your sport. And obviously motor racing is the one sport where unfortunately we can't do that. So yeah, I uh, completely in line with George's thought that I think there will be a lot of uh, rust, let's say from, from all aspects. So the drivers, the mechanics teams, because I think it's often overlooked as well from the, from the fans that, you know, there's, uh, from the operational side of things is there's so many procedures and, and things that have to be kind of executed flawlessly from, from the mechanics, the engineers, the you know, even team management that, you know, when you're kind of out of the rhythm for so long, it's, it, it will be difficult to get back into. And winter testing is one of the biggest opportunities for them to kind of iron out uh, all these kinks. And I mean, especially for us drivers to kind of get back into the rhythm after, after a winter break. And, you know, now we have a pretty much extended preseason, uh, so yeah, definitely not treating it like a, like a holiday. It's just kind of <laughs> longer preseason training camp, let's say, but it is weird uh, or it has been weird. Let's say not, not knowing when we were going to go back racing. Now we kind of have a, a target that's beginning of July, but kind of at, at the beginning, you know, I was thinking, okay, maybe it's going to be a month, month and a half. And then it keeps getting delayed longer and longer. And it's like, okay, well, you're still, you're still training. You're still staying ready for just in case it's not we're going racing in, in a few weeks now, but, yeah, it's, it's obviously uh, just kind of that, that unknown factor and just kind of having to, to stay sharp and just ready for the opportunity. Can I just ask you then, how jealous are you two, George and Nicholas, of, of Pierre and Kevin, who've been able to get to cart tracks now because where they are, things have eased The grins on your faces tell me you're jealous <laughs> right now, Nicholas. <laughs> I, I want to go karting. I'm just waiting for the tracks to open up here in, uh, in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, likewise. I think first opportunity will be both there. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, loads of questions and as an eight-year-old actually Claire this is to you as well Tommy B Racing says I'm eight and I'm a Carter do you have a young driver academy I can join and if not um, George and Nicholas what advice would you give so Claire first to Tommy oh best so um, we do have a young driver academy um, we have a handful of drivers in that at the moment Jamie Chadwick and Roy Nassani Dan Tictum and Jack Aitken 
Um, so it's, it's quite full, um, but you'll notice those guys are at a certain age and a certain level. Eight's a bit young for us. Um, and if, but if I were to give any advice, it's to keep doing what you're doing. And I know George and Nicholas would probably echo this, that it's all about getting the practice in at an early age and starting competition at an early age. It's so fiercely competitive to get into the upper echelons of motorsport. You've just got to keep fighting as best you can. But I think always keep in touch with the teams as well. Make yourself known to the teams at the, the top end so that they can keep an eye on you because we've all got kind of scouts that go out and, and look in the karting championships that are going on. And George, I guess you'd suggest he learns PowerPoint quickly, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no book out. It's not a bad use. Take notes in your IT lesson. No, I think it um, doesn't matter how good your PowerPoints are, you know, you've got to put the, the time and effort in on the, on the racetrack. Um, keep practising, practising, practising. I think a lot of young kids and also their families who take their kids racing expect results quick and you know it doesn't happen it doesn't happen didn't happen to me uh, i'm sure it didn't happen to nicholas and also you know some of the other guys in f1 you've got to take your time only move on from your category when you're you're ready to do so and uh when you're winning races but like i say just just keep practicing that's with anything in life if you want to be good at it you only get out what you put into it patience nicholas i guess would be your tip as well wouldn't it yeah, definitely. Patience. Uh, be passionate about what you're doing, first of all, because I think with anything in life, uh, that's the first first thing that's helped you get through those uh, those difficult moments, for sure. Uh, days when you're maybe not as not as motivated, you kind of go back to why you're doing it in the first place. And obviously, why a lot of us do what we do is because we, we love what we do. Uh, and yeah, just really hard work and, and patience, as you said, just can't, can't echo that enough. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank you all very, very much for joining us um, this, on this podcast. Uh, it's great to see your faces. Hopefully we will see you at some racetracks very soon. We've got lots coming up uh, this week for you on Sky Sports F1. We've got another podcast on Friday, a Renault special with Cyril Bitbull and Esteban Ocon, eSports over the weekend, and of course the live F1 show across Sky Channels on Monday at 2. Thank you all very much. We'll see you soon and thanks for watching. Stay safe.